Well, I, I heard that Eric has begun Bible study today, and that's going to run for a good while. And so what I thought I would do for the next three weeks is sort of complement what he is doing. Not duplicating, but complementing it. Um, those of you that were not in there, they're doing the, um, a great book by Tozer, Knowledge of the Holy. And it's talking about God and who God is. And so I thought that I would spend uh, three weeks perhaps not doing some of the things, some of the chapters that Tozer covered, but stressing some of the things about God, who He is, what He's like, what we know Him to be like. And so this morning we're going to look at uh, the God who is compassionate. And the passage of Scripture a moment ago was very apropos. We have a compassionate and loving Father. And I don't know why we, we question that, but we do. There are times when, you know, we, we jump to another conclusion in difficult circumstances. We think, well, He's abandoned us. Maybe you felt that way with a pastor leaving and others leaving. He's abandoned us. He's forgotten us. Why would we ever think that a compassionate, loving God has done that and treated us that way. It's because we do not battle against flesh and blood, we battle against a deceiver. And Paul reminded us, he said, you've got to guard your mind. And what you need to do is to belt on, to put on, to gird on the buckle of truth and make sure you understand truth and who God really is. He is the loving, compassionate Father, and He is perfect in that which means he would never do anything that is not compassionate. He would never do anything that is not loving. And he would never do anything that is not for our good. And Jesus, Jesus emphasizes this truth in a parable that we're going to look at today. And what he does in the parable is describe the compassion and the love of the Father and if you know anything about parables, when Jesus taught a parable, he would take a story and he would throw it alongside of truth, and that's what the parable means, so that we could get it. You don't understand some of the things that he said? Well, he would put it in a parable, and he would throw a story alongside the truth so that we could clearly understand what he was trying to say. And the story is in Luke chapter 15. And he, and, he said the, and he said the story, he told the story in the presence of the Pharisees who didn't believe that God was compassionate and loving. Believe it or not, he spoke it in the presence of the Pharisees who questioned the compassion and the love of God. And they muttered, when they saw Jesus doing certain things. This is what the text says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, namely Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? I would think that is a very good thing. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. I like the word muttered. You, it sort of sounds like what it means. Can you hear them muttering? What actually was taking place here is that they were saying, if God were here, 
in his holiness and in his righteousness, we'd handle these sinners. But this guy here is having lunch with them and meeting with them and gathering them around him. But Jesus, who had come to make known the Father, Jesus, who came to make known the Father, tells three parables here in succession trying to get the Pharisees to understand how compassionate, how loving, and how seeking the Heavenly Father is. The last story, the last parable is about two sons who live with a compassionate father. It's three characters in the story. It's a younger son, an older son, and a father. And these two sons live with a compassionate father, but refused They chose not to believe that he was compassionate. It wasn't that the father became compassionate. He was compassionate. The text talks about the young son, the younger son. It wasn't that the father was compassionate when the son returned, because you know the story when it says, but while he was a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion and he threw his arms, when he ran to him, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Well, that wasn't the beginning of the compassion of the father. He had always been compassionate. But the son had failed to believe it. Why? Because of Genesis, I suppose. Because we have a tendency to believe a lie as our parents, Adam and Eve. We believe that God doesn't offer us his best. Imagine that. Have you ever had a thought like that, that really God is not offering you his very best? We think sometimes that he is trying to hem us in and he really, he really is keeping the good things from us. Isn't that what uh, plagued Adam and Eve? And we long for our freedom We long to get away from him. We long to be out there where it's better. Not understanding that we will never be as free as we can be except in his presence and in relationship to him. We're made for a relationship with the Father. We're fashioned by him in love. We are not pigs. We're not meant for the pig pen. We're created by a loving God, and we are created for his purpose. And if we could ever get it through our minds that we will never find true joy, peace, purpose, anything like that apart from him. And he's compassionate in the routine of life. He's compassionate in the the extraordinaries of life. He's compassionate in the difficulties of life. He's even compassionate when he is disciplined and refining us. He is the compassionate father. And any time, for whatever the reason, we decide to leave him, as we leave him, we go toward the pigsty. Here is a younger son living with a compassionate, loving father, and he refused to believe it. He refused to accept it. Well, you know the story. He went away. He found out what an uncompassionate, unloving world is out there. 
And the scripture says, he came to his senses. Oh, I just realized how compassionate my father is. What brings him back? That very thing. This is what he says in verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, notice the compassion. Notice what the father has demonstrated. Notice how the father has treated people. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? Ample food, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. He still didn't believe how compassionate the father was. He wasn't even sure if the father would receive him. What he thought he would do is to craft a message, a, a speech, so that the father would be compassionate toward him. And so he tells us in the text what he was going to say. He needed to repent. There is no doubt about that. He needed to repent against heaven, and he needed to repent to his father, and he needed to ask for forgiveness. But somehow before he got there, he thought that it was the crafted speech, and it was the begging. And maybe even to say, Father, I will take a demotion. I know that I am not worthy to be a son, so I don't even claim to have that status. What I want is a demotion. I will come back and be a hired servant. He still didn't understand how compassionate the father was. Do we understand that though we need to repent, the forgiveness does not come because of our crafted speech. It comes because of the heart of the compassionate father. And the blessing of this is that he is free to forgive without compromising his righteousness and violating his holiness because of Jesus Christ and what Christ has done. And so the text says here concerning the younger son, the response of the compassionate father, when he saw him from afar, I don't know how long he had been looking, I don't know how long he had been waiting, but when he saw him from afar, he ran and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him and he welcomed him home. That's the compassionate God that we serve. But there's another son. The scripture says that he is the older son. He didn't leave. He stayed right there with the same father who was loving and compassionate as he was to the younger son. And if you want to hear his compassion, you hear it in verses like verse 31, when he said to his older son, everything I have is yours. Everything that I have is yours. But staying with a compassionate father, he refused to believe it. And in verse 29, it is amazing to me that after the father says, everything I have is yours, he says, I can't even get a goat out of you. 
for a little party with my friends. It's interesting to me when I look at this text that the relationship of the older son to the compassionate father was not based on love and compassion. It was based on what the older son was doing. It was based on his efforts. And he says in verse 29, he said, look all of these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed anything that you ordered, anything that you ask. It was not about what the father had given him in his compassion. It was about what he had earned. And you know, when our relationship with the compassionate father gets to the point where it's not what he's done for us, but what we've done for him, the relationship becomes a burden. And a burden, folks, is very heavy. And when you carry a burden around long enough, you will lose your joy and you will lose your peace. You'll get sour and you'll get bitter and you'll get angry. And you'll get angry when somebody else gets the compassion. It's not fair. When the young son came back, a man that thought his relationship with the father was based upon what he had done, when his younger brother got the compassion, he said, he didn't stay here. He didn't do all that I've done. It's like the workers that go into the field. Jesus told that other parable. And lo and behold, some workers come later in the, in the day and they get the same wages and they're saying, it isn't fair. When did grace ever become fair? When did the treatment of the Heavenly Father ever be based on that? This is a great warning to me. And I hope it's a great warning to you that I literally can be a part of the family of the compassionate Father and fail to be like Him. That scares me. But I know it's true. Someone who is a recipient of his grace and his love can act as if we don't know him. What lessons from the story do we need to hear as Jesus throws this, this story alongside of truth? Do I really understand what's taking place here? I realize that this this parable is not really about two boys that I've never met. It really is about me. And that bothers me a lot. Because my heart is prone to wonder. wander, and it's, and it's because I do not accept the grace and the compassion and the love of the Father. Somewhere along the line, we begin to think there's something better there. If someone said, why in the world would we ever choose to sin? We choose to sin because we think there's greater pleasure in it than in him. And I realize that I can be with a father, and I've been with a father a long time. And there are times when I act as if I do not know 
nor am I related to the Father of compassion and love. Anybody else here, when the story is thrown alongside of truth, understand what is being said? Do you get the lesson clearly? Is there anybody here who's thinking because God is not compassionate and loving and there's something better out there, you are really considering leaving him? It can happen in any age of life. It's a prime thought in young adult, youth. You ever consider leaving him? Then what I would say to you is don't. Because whenever you decide to begin to leave him and walk away from him, you move toward the pigsty. You will never be freer than when you're free with him. You'll never know purpose as you know it with him. You'll never know joy as you know it with him. And does anybody here find themselves once in a while acting as if they don't know the Father? And someone would look at you and say, I don't know who your father is. My father's compassionate and loving, but we aren't. I don't know about you. I, Eric, the, the music you sing, I don't know what you sing in terms, I don't even know what kind of a hymn this is. I, would, I started to say a Baptist hymn, but I don't think it's a Baptist hymn. A pastor by the name of Robert Robinson, 1757, 1757, wrote the words to the hymn that we now entitled, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Have you ever sung it? Oh, yeah, good. Boy, it stings me, but it's so true. Prone to wander. Mm. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Prone to leave the God who is loving and compassionate? I like the phrase that he puts, the words that he puts here, which are like a prayer. Let grace, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. And then tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing calls for songs of loudest praise. Hmm. Beautiful hymn. Beautiful hymn. And so true. So true. You throw the story alongside of this truth, and I get it, Lord, I get it. I think all of us get it. But as we throw this story alongside of truth, what, what's the lesson also for a congregation like King of Kings. What is a lesson for us? I think the lesson would be that we're part of the family of the compassionate Father. And it's not about what we don't have. It's what you do have. When the Father says, everything that I have is yours. Isn't that, isn't that a blessing to hear? Everything that I have is yours. And so we celebrate what we do have. 
We celebrate forgiveness. We celebrate life from death. We celebrate what has been lost has been found. And when anyone ever comes through one of these doors into this fellowship, into this place, whenever they cross that threshold, they will find in this place a loving Father church because we're like the one that we worship. That's exciting. That's exciting. And that results in celebration and in joy. And whenever the committee is finished and whenever God has told them what he wants them to know and a new pastor comes to you, he's going to find right here a loving father church with a body that experiences and has experienced the forgiveness of a compassionate father and ones who wear the ring and the robe and the sandals and the ring of sonship. That's what we get out of this passage. Whenever we're in the presence of the compassionate, loving God, there should be celebration. And this place should be a place of celebration. And I can tell you something. God blesses churches like that. And God uses churches like that. The story alongside of the truth. Do we get it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing yourself in Christ. And he told the Pharisees the truth. We're sinful. We need to be forgiven. We need to repent. But today we rejoice in a compassionate and loving Father. And we thank you for that. That long ago when we needed to turn, you would throw your arms around us and kiss us and welcome us back. Thank you for the fellowship and the relationship that we have with you. And may we, as Paul said, put on the belt of truth and fight any thought of that is contrary to that truth. And I pray for this church. I pray for the committee that will look for the new pastor. I pray for this church in the midst of the need of a pastor. We usually call it an interim time, but it doesn't have to be an interim time. It can be a time of great joy and great growth and great blessing because we understand the one in whom we have a relationship. And we, like him, rejoice in those that repent and come and rejoice in new life when it is found. And Father, I pray right now that you will take this church and you will use it bountifully and wonderfully in these weeks ahead, preparing all of our hearts for that which is to come, which will be a great day of rejoicing and a great day of harvesting. And we ask our prayer in the name of Jesus, our wonderful Savior and Lord. Amen.